Welcome to the Sporting History Podcast, brought to you by the British Society of Sports History and the Institute of Historical Research. Today I'm interviewing Jeremy Lonsdale, uh, the author of a fascinating new book on the development of cricket in the historic county of Yorkshire from the 1750s through to the mid-Victorian period, the 1840s. Hi Jeremy. Hi Jeff. Uh, Jeremy is the author of five books on the history of Yorkshire cricket and its significant players and appeared previously on the podcast talking about his book Again Taken Seriously, which was an account of the emergence of the professional game in Yorkshire in the 1840s. But today he's here to talk about the period preceding that, so late 18th century, early 19th century. Uh, Jeremy, your book starts with a fine piece of scene setting. Uh, What was Yorkshire society like in the late 18th century? And what was distinctive about the way the game took off in Yorkshire compared to its heartlands in the south of England at that time? Yes, I mean, the book is, uh, is as you say, is about, is about cricket in Yorkshire. And um, I think when we look, look at the history books uh, about the early development of, uh, of cricket in England, um, it's very much focused on Sussex and Kent and Hampshire and Surrey and London. Mm. Um, and um, you know, the north of England and, and Yorkshire in particular uh, really get very cursory coverage. So, um, so I did think in sort of setting the scene for, for my book about cricket in Yorkshire that I needed to describe uh, the, the, the environment in the 18th century um, and um, sort of try and tease out what was perhaps different about, about Yorkshire. So... Um, you know, traditionally the game is seen as being associated with you know, aristocrats in the south and with betting, um, uh, hence the importance of, uh, you know, laws of the game. Um, and it was sort of seen as a fashionable sport, there was, you know, royal involvement and so on. Um, I think it's fair to say that in the middle of the 18th century, um, you know, Yorkshire was far less well-developed part of England, um, a lot less well-off. Um, I mean, Georgian... Yorkshire uh, lacked, um, you know, the, the, the wealth of the South. Uh, it lacked the sort of commercial investment. Uh, it was just economically a lot less developed and socially less well developed. Um, roads were poorer, um, making communication um, quite difficult. So trade was quite local. People tended to to sort of stay in the areas they were born. So I think less influenced by sort of changes. Uh, and, and new ideas that were perhaps more prevalent in the in the south of England, which might um, obviously include um, develop, developments in sport uh, and and sort of public playing of sport. So it was a more traditional society. Um, I think in the in the second half of the eighteenth century, though, I think we do start to see changes in, in Yorkshire. Um, it's becoming uh, you know rapid social and economic change. Wool industry flourishing around Leeds. Coal industry expanding. Sheffield became coming known for, for, for the iron industry and silver plate and so on. Um, communications were improving with canals and uh, navigable rivers, turnpikes and, and so on, reducing the amount of time that it took to get around. Um, probably wasn't the most sophisticated of places, um, probably with the exception of York, which from the 1750s had, a, had its race course, um, Leeds perhaps as well with its meeting rooms and so on. So um, I think, um, you know, a lot of Georgian Yorkshire was pretty much untouched by, by fashionable developments of, of one kind or another. Um, there were changes in population. Uh, so, um, you know, we had people moving in from the country uh, to work uh, in, the, in, the, in the towns and cities. Um, and so there was a sort of um, bringing people together. Um, 
and a sort of rebuilding of quite a lot of um, sort of smaller towns, places like Beverly and, and, and Yarm and so on. And it's not actually surprising that some of these places, I think, are associated later on with, 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 with cricket. Um, you've got market towns, Ripon and Richmond and places like that, North Allerton. Um, and again, I don't think it's a coincidence that some of these market towns are, are where the game actually takes root quite early on. Um, and I think it's these changes, um, perhaps the, the wider dissemination of newspapers and so on with, with ideas that are being brought from um, uh, the south of England that help to uh, expose um, uh, some in Yorkshire to, to, to new ideas. Um, and so I think, I think what we see and why I wanted to just in the, cha- in the opening chapter of the book just sort of set the scene was, was just to sort of you know, say on the one hand there was quite a lot of change, there was also quite a lot of stability. So, you know, for an awful lot of people, um, you know, things were pretty much as they'd always been. Uh, pace of change was slow. Um, employment was pretty much the same. It was affected by the seasons. Um, um, and so a lot of people um, also had quite a lot of discretion over their time. Uh, and I think it's one of the interesting things in the book, one of the interesting things that, that surprised me was the amount of cricket that was played in the early part of the week. And I think that's, that's a sort of... Um, uh, associated with um, uh, the sort of working patterns that were, uh, you know, were, were, were traditional. Yeah. So I think you've got you've got concentrations of people in some area, but you've actually got a lot of people who are still pretty much living the lives that they they had always lived. And and I think against that background, I suppose I was trying to think, well, okay, so you know, what was it that helped to seed cricket in Yorkshire in the second half of the 18th century? Um, uh, and it's, it, it, it is difficult. There's not a huge amount of evidence, but I, I, I sort of I speculated on, 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 on maybe three, three or four sort of ways. I do think there were some people who clearly, you know, the better off were able to travel more, um, and so you get it, you have an example, and it's only an anecdote, but I, I think it perhaps might be a, a good example um, uh, of, of a gentleman who um, uh, quite well off lived in lived lived, lived near Ripon. Um, he'd been at university in the south of England and he'd, he'd learned cricket there um, and came back to live uh, in Yorkshire um, and uh, he had a family and he was keen that his son should play cricket uh, and so in 1744 he took his son down to Sevenoaks in Kent uh, and had two bats made and brought them back and he and his son uh, played played cricket um, and um, uh, obviously on one occasion they, they, they must have put them on the top of a, book, a bookcase uh, and they fell behind the bookcase and were not discovered for 250 years um, and um, I think you know that's a sort of perhaps a, 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 an illustration perhaps of the type of person that might have brought cricket back to to Yorkshire I think the other the other people that would move around a lot uh, were the military so it doesn't surprising for example there were several cricket matches in East Yorkshire in the 1790s by military teams and those were um, those were soldiers that were brought um, at the time of uh, sort of fear of Napoleonic invasion of the of the East Coast I think you start to see cricket in newspapers as well so I think people in Yorkshire were clearly you know picking up a sense that the game was um, uh, something interesting, uh, something that was played by um, uh, perhaps by, by you know, well, wealthy people, but nevertheless something which, which had some kind of appeal. Uh, and you also, see, you also see adverts in the 1780s in Leeds newspapers for, 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 for pictures of, of cricket. So I, I, I guess I, I, I sort of feel that there's a sense in which the game doesn't need to be 
explain to people it's already familiar so some of the sort of you know the occasional reports that you see of matches it's not like they have to explain what cricket is um, and there's also no suggestion that it's the sort of the first time that the game has been played in the area so I actually think um, you know, there's an awful lot of under-reporting of, yeah. of the game you know it simply wasn't the sort of thing that relatively small newspapers um, would, would would fit in so um, I think the game may have been more prevalent in, in Yorkshire in the in the 18th century um, but uh, it just wasn't reported yeah because you really take on this idea that's kind of you, you point out as the orthodoxy that kind of um, teams from the south proselytised the game in Yorkshire in the 1840s and you have this match against an All England eleven, and it's kind of in this narrative that there is in cricket history where everything is disseminated from London whether it's in the colonies or as you point out whether it's in, in um, England itself um, that actually you point out that there's plenty of cricket happening in Yorkshire in the early 1800s and the reason why the All England eleven are in Yorkshire in the 1840s is because there's so much cricket being played. Would you agree with that? Is that the thesis that you have? So I definitely think, um, uh, and what I've set out in the book, I think in a lot of detail, is you know there was um, quite a complex cricketing culture in Yorkshire by the 1840s. Um, I think um, it's been growing for the previous decades mm. um, and so um, as I say I think it's actually underreported probably in the 18th century in the late 18th century and early 19th century but by the 1820s you start to get a lot more cover- coverage of the game um, in the newspapers and um, the big the big step forward really in Yorkshire cricket is is the 1820s in in Sheffield where yeah. there is a um, the, the game, uh, the game as a commercial spectacle, uh, begins in 1822 um, with the opening of the first Darnall Ground, uh, and we see that through the through the 1820s, really, where Sheffield becomes part of the the mainstream of English cricket, um, playing against Nottingham, playing against Leicester, um, some of the big teams from the south coming up um, to play matches at Sheffield, um, and. Um, Sheffield is a bit of a, a bit of a one-off, though, because I think I think what's interesting about that sort of period um, is that um, cricket elsewhere in the county is a lot less well developed. It doesn't have the same commercial angle. Um, there aren't any enclosed grounds. Um, there isn't the same exposure to professional professional players. Um, so the organisers of the uh, the big games in Sheffield in the 1820s brought up professionals. To, um, to coach uh, and, yeah. and I, so I think you know Sheffield was the place in Yorkshire to see high quality cricket um, the game was developing uh, at a slower pace and at a, at a sort of less high quality elsewhere but it was nevertheless you know there was there was and, and I think what I say in the book I, I sort of feel for a while there's sort of four pockets of the game um, in the area around York there's quite a rich um, cricketing culture there's a lot of cricket played in Leeds it's quite quite sort of parochial these are the, you know the, the matches that tend to be played by teams maybe you know maybe no more than five or ten miles apart um, to, to sort of cut down cut down travel um, you also have quite a lot of cricket from the 1760s 1770s uh, in villages in the North North Yorkshire the North Riding um, uh, so you, you know you've got pockets 
Um, and I think I, I sort of the way I've depicted it is they are kind of unconnected uh, for for quite a while. I think what what you start to see in the 1830s, which I've really described in the book as a very as a pivotal pivotal decade really for the game. Mm. What you start to see is these these pockets linking up um, as travel becomes easier, coaches and uh, roads are, are better and faster. Um, you start to see, for example, 1829, Sheffield Wednesday plays in Ripon. It's about 70 miles away. Um, it's the first time that, that a Sheffield side has played as far as far north uh, in Yorkshire as that. Um, and this is, this is, I think, how, um, how, 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 the, how the game develops. I think, going back to your point about the All England eleven in 1846, I think the, 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 the point I was I think, trying to make was often it's depicted that there wasn't very much cricket in Yorkshire and then in 1846 the All England eleven came and it popularised the game mm. and then it took off from there. I think my argument really is the game was actually quite popular and it was quite well developed before the All England uh, 11 came. And indeed, I don't think William Clark, who set up the uh, All England 11, I don't think he would have come. He was a businessman. He, didn't, he wouldn't have risked coming if he didn't think there was a, a, a definite market for the game. Um, I think what's important about the All England 11, and there's no doubt that it made a massive difference to, to cricket in Yorkshire. It showed uh, people in Yorkshire um, you know, how high-quality cricket uh, could be played. Um, it led to lots of people wanting to form their own cricket clubs. Uh, in, in due course, it then led to those cricket clubs thinking, well, you know, we, we need to get better, therefore we better hire a professional. Um, so there was a whole sort of you know, labour market developed. Um, and so, you know, there's no question that the, the, the All England eleven arriving and playing firstly three matches in 1846 in, in, in Sheffield, Leeds and Manchester and then Know, in the in the decade decades after that, playing more and more of these games, there's no doubt that it had a it had a, a massive impact on the game. But my argument really is more that the game was popular um, before, but it was probably it probably needed a bit more of a, a bit of a kickstart really from um, something different um, because I feel in the 1840s the game had sort of maybe it, it had plateaued a little bit in the sense that. Um, it lacked leadership, um, by which I mean, um, at that time, cricket in Sheffield was a little bit uh, on a down, and it was sort of you know, very introspective. Um, Sheffield wasn't going to be able to sort of pride, provide that kind of leadership for, a, for, a, for, for the game more widely. Um, there wasn't that much aristocratic involvement, and I think probably at that time, uh, aristocratic involvement would have been seen as necessary to provide leadership, but it wasn't really um, uh, that, that widespread. There was a lack of money in the game in the, in the 1840s, um, uh, as had been demonstrated in the, in the previous years, actually, it was really expensive to try and put on um, a sort of county match, um, and there hadn't been, um, there hadn't been any attempts to, um, to organise county games uh, for a while because uh, it, was, it just proved so financially difficult in the 1830s. Um, there is a recession in the 1840s as well, isn't there, which must have had an impact yeah, on... Quite, the... quite possibly, yeah. quite possibly. And I think the other thing is that actually um, there aren't that many really high-quality um, players around, uh, and those that are in Yorkshire actually are starting to take up professional engagements elsewhere. So you've got Sampson playing in Reading, you've got Paul Smith, who has spent a lot of this time in the northeast, um, and um, uh, James Stearman was uh, was engaged in Rochdale. So some of the better players were, were having to sort of come back to play in big matches for Sheffield. So 
I just think that the All England eleven provided a, a sort of a boost to the game because it it sort of took things up to another level um, by overcoming some of these these problems. Um, so there was new money in the game with the All England eleven because um, there was a uh, the sort of money was raised locally um, by to, to, for, just for the match. They were sort of ring ring fenced, so the sort of rather precarious. Um, finances of lots of cricket clubs weren't weren't put at risk. This was separate separate money. Um, it was, I think, it was bringing as well a sort of uh, maybe a bit of showbiz to, um, to, to 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 the game. Um, you know, if you had a local team which only had you know one sort of star player, um, that was okay. But it wasn't as good as having sort of ten or more uh, well-known um, players coming to to play. You know, in a one-off match. Um, and there's no doubt there was a huge amount of excitement associated with it. You know, you could see that from the reports of you know trains coming into into Leeds with long having to add extra carriages from from York for people coming wanting to watch the match in Leeds. Um, and um, you know, there's no doubt there was a lot of excitement. Um, the, 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 the 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 All England games, um, you know, they really sort of. Uh, Set things alight in, uh, in 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 towns and, and were associated with you know they had bands and there was you know bazaars and so on. So I think that was it provided quite a lot of excitement. I think the sort of the thing about it all though is is in the end um, these ex- these were exhibition matches and um, although they were very popular for for sort of twenty years, mm. I do get the impression um, from. Um, research I've done that there were, people were starting to get bored by the 1860s and 1870s with this sort of cricket um, players were less interested it, you know, even good batsmen were struggling to score against 22 fielders yeah. um, the quality of some of the player, the teams was, was declining probably as, as more players were getting involved in county cricket which was starting to, to develop then so um, I suppose, I suppose the question I ask at the end of the book is, is you know, was the All England 11 approach a bit of a sort of um, a dead end? Um, yes, it sort of stimulated interest and excitement, but did it sort of distract Yorkshire cricket from its increasingly competitive direction, which it, which, which it was developing in the 1840s? Yeah, um, like enduring local rivalries. Um, yes, yeah. yes, and I mean, I think what's noticeable in the 1840s is you start to get teams like Bradford, Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday. Dalton, um, uh, Harewood and others playing each other uh, on a regular basis in front of quite big crowds. Um, uh, in competitive cricket, you start to get much more references to, um, you know, Harewood are playing against Leeds for the championship of, of the North. Now, it doesn't actually mean anything, but it was quite clear that that was a kind of a mindset, which was, you know, there are there are some teams and uh, there are lots of teams and some of them are better than others and these are the sort of the cream... Um, so I, I, I do sort of wonder whether or not the All England approach, the sort of exhibition cricket and the novelty of it was a little bit of a distraction from what might have been more competitive, uh, the development of more competitive cricket in Yorkshire, which did happen, but it happened later. Yeah. Well, you talk about the stars who are in the All England team, but there were stars in Yorkshire as well, weren't there? One of the great sort of characters in your book, I think, is um, Tom Marsden, who begins his career in the 1820s I think and then develops through the 1830s can you tell me some more about him because I found him a fascinating figure and somebody who was famous not just in Yorkshire but also went down to to Kent to play um, single wicket matches as well didn't he? Yeah I mean Tom Marsden is probably the the first famous Yorkshire cricketer 
Um, and and I think it's important to recognise that, you know, in the 1820s and the 1830s, when he was um, the big name, most well-known cricketers were simply local heroes. Yeah. You know, they would be well-known in their area. They'd probably be well-known amongst those that followed cricket. Um, but... Um, I think um, you know it's important to remember that most of the people that were playing cricket had had jobs. Um, there were very few professionals until uh, until later on, um, and so you know if they played if they played cricket um, uh, during the week, as often was the case, then you know they were doing it alongside their their jobs, and um, uh, I guess many of them were were sort of small tradesmen or maybe publicans and so on they had a certain amount of discretion over their over their time um, so they were able to they were able to um, able to play I mean Marsden is Marsden is different and I think I think I think you can illustrate how different Marsden is by just sort of um, making reference to the fact that in 1826 he scored 227 yeah. for Sheffield and Leicester against Nottinghamshire well you know this is a time when Frequently, teams were, were were scoring well under a hundred. You know, getting double figures was a big deal, um, and this is a guy that manages to score two hundred and twenty-seven um, in a in a in a, one of the highest um, standard matches of that period. Um, and uh, I guess not for, for 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 no reason he was uh, he was known as the glorious. Um, he scored another another century uh, in 1828 um, against Nottingham, and you know this brought him to national notice. And so, as you say, he did he did end up playing in matches in London, um, and so he would have been you know he would have been travelling up and up and down the country um, for quite a few years uh, in different places. And um, I think I think in the book I I did track him in a, in, in in one particular month. Um, July of one year, I can't remember which one it was now, towards the end of the 1820s, I think, where he was, you know, he was playing in Sheffield and then he was playing in London and then he was playing in, in Norfolk uh, and he was going backwards and forwards. And, um, you know, this was, um, you know, pre-railways, so quite a, quite, quite, quite a challenge. Um, in 1828, he challenged any man in England uh, to, a, uh, to a single wicket uh, contest. This is, this is sort of one against one. Uh, cricket, which was which was fashionable at the time, um, and um, uh, you know very very much associated with betting. Uh, but yeah. he challenged anybody in England. Nobody took him up uh, until 1833, when Fuller, Fuller Pilch um, did take him up and beat him um, quite severely, as I remember. <laughs> in, 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 indeed, and, and there was a suggestion, particularly amongst um, followers of cricket in the south of England, which was that that Marston was actually um, you know yeah he was great at, great at home, but of course. Yorkshire cricket wasn't wasn't really the same as uh, same standard, and uh, and therefore you know when he came down to London, um, you know he was he was exposed as not as good as uh, um, you know uh, people up north thought, um, which was you know possibly true, but um, nevertheless he you know he, he did he did have a uh, a long and distinguished career, um, and he was you know a hero in the in the in the in in, in Yorkshire cricket. Um, the other, the other sort of um, well-known player, and you sort of alluded to, was um, was James Dearman, who um, uh, was also also played in the, in the same sort of period, and um, he famously um, took on Alfred Min of Kent um, in 1838 in, at single wicket, and again he lost, um, uh, I think both home and away. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's some, you know, it's it's. It, 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 
it was a sign, I think, of the confidence that uh, had developed in Yorkshire cricket during the 1830s that um, uh, you know these the best players in the in the county um, you know thought wanted to take on um, and challenge the, the well-known names of the south of England. Um, and I think you know again, it's a sign that communications had improved. These players were able now able to play around the around the country, um, and um, they uh, they were they were essentially professional cricketers earning earning money from uh, from their skills. Yeah. Um, going away from individuals, um, one of the things that comes through with your book is how you integrate cricket into a wider social history of how Yorkshire is developing at that time, and like debates around. Um, political debates about liberty um, and also social debates about social control is sport something that is useful um, can you tell us some more about that because there's a lots of lots of the uh, resources that you use are from court records aren't they and, uh, when cricket becomes a subject of uh, sort of legal opinion so can you tell us some more about um, sort of cricket and social development in Yorkshire yeah I think I think the um I think what's very interesting about um, the game at, as it develops in the 19th century is the, are the sort of tensions that, that you yeah. see and um, the, the way in which the game is perceived um, just, just perceived differently. So, for example, um, you know, for some people it's seen as a, as a very modern activity. You know, it's something which isn't associated with the sort of, you know, type of sports that mistreat animals, which was obviously there was a lot going on to, to sort of clamp down on that. Um, it wasn't associated with violence in the same way um, as, uh, say, some of the you know the sort of uh, um, like uh, village games, village yeah, football, village yes, football, yeah. that, uh, that were that, that were that, you know efforts that um, public authorities were doing to clamp down. So so many people thought saw cricket as a sort of a modern activity, and uh, you know there wasn't sort of physical contact usually. Um, it was easy for different social classes to mix. Therefore. Um, you know, there was there was sort of clear rules, and um, you know, in theory, the umpires were arbiters of, uh, of um, and keeping it all organised. Um, so it was seen as a sort of you know respectable. Um, and as 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 the, the century goes on, you know, clubs become associated with um, you know quite a spectacle. You know, marquees, flags. Um, from quite early on in the 19th century, some teams, some of the better-off teams, have you know, have cricket uniforms. So you know, it's seen as it's, it's seen by some as respectable, as well as being seen as modern. It's actually also seen as a sort of return to English tradition. So you know, it is uh, associated with um, you know perhaps a sort of more pastoral past uh, at a time of, of change and uh, you know uncertainty. Uh, that's, that's sort of you know increasingly in the minds of some in the 1820s, 1830s, and so on. So there's that sort of that sort of tension. Um, I think some people definitely do see cricket as a way of trying to combat social unrest, um, which was you know prevalent in the 1830s and 1840s, yeah, especially um, in the industrial it, it, well, towns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And. Um, uh, you know, I think the game was seen as a force for good. Interestingly, it's sort of seen as a force for good from quite, um, you know, quite different perspectives. So there is evidence, for example, that the Chartists um, sort of organised some uh, cricket clubs as a way of trying to convert uh, people to to their cause. Um, and um, but also the uh, the Young England movement, uh, the sort of um, Disraeli and uh, Lord John Manners. 
uh, movement of the 1840s, um, they also saw cricket as, as part of their sort of rather um, uh, their way of trying to bring the classes together and uh, and so on. And so, for example, in 1841, I think it is Benjamin Disraeli, um, before becoming prime minister, um, is taken to a cricket match in Bingley, uh, and 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 uh, this is part of an initiative to. Um, I think it's a combination of um, setting up allotment, allotments and a cricket club yeah. for the allotment. Um, and so, you know, for some people, some people, cricket is seen as a way of perhaps um, trying to smooth over relations between the classes. And quite interestingly, there's some very scathing um, <laughs> criticism of uh, sort of contemptuous uh, commentary on, on this idea uh, in some of the Leeds newspapers and sort of seen as a game being used as a bit of a sop um, uh, rather than actually doing anything to tackle tackle the social problems, um, so so I think do, some people do see it as a as a, um, a a way of trying to smooth some of the social unrest. Um, but I think also interestingly, of course, the game is in a way is creating its own problems. So you know there is quite a lot of um, material in the uh, reports of, of 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 the court reports in newspapers um, of. Um, players being brought before magistrates with damage to property um, there was particular concern about leaving um, piles of stones which were used for wickets uh, on on, uh, on roads yeah. uh, so that um, you know at night obviously there would be no street lights people with uh, horses and carts crashing into these piles of stones and so on um, quite a lot of, of, of boys being brought in for um, playing cricket in the streets in Sheffield in the 1830s and so on. So, uh, and Sabbath break, Sabbath, Sabbath breaking, obviously, um, being a, yeah. a, big, a big issue. Playing cricket on a Sunday um, was not uh, acceptable in, in, in many parts of the county. So, um, so as well as sort of being seen as a force for good, it's also seen as a, uh, as a, as a bit of a social problem uh, and something that needed to be controlled. Yeah, I'm interested in that religious angle because um, obviously in Yorkshire at this time Methodism is um, spreading, isn't it? And um, it's particularly associated with those early industrialising villages and towns. What was the what was the view of the Methodist hierarchy on uh, playing sports? Um, was it a respectable pastime for the Methodist community, or, or did they try and clamp down on it? I think the issue was around playing on a Sunday. Um, I think um, uh, some did see the game as a way of drawing um, you know, people away from drink, uh, drawing them away from all sorts of uh, um, less uh, acceptable uh, activities. So I think there was, there was support, and I think it's possibly later in the, in the century, in you know, the 1850s and so on, um, the, the game was, was definitely taken on by... Uh, church groups of all kinds, yeah. Um, yeah. In, including Methodists. Um, so I think I think possibly certainly from the the evidence that I came across, the the, the issue really in the early decades of the of the, uh, the 19th century uh, is around you know the, not playing on a Sunday um, and not and, and 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 not sort of damaging property and, and, and so on. Yeah, I mean, what I really enjoyed from your book, I was looking at the. I always look at the bibliography. I should mention I've reviewed this book for the uh, Cricket Society's Journal. Um, and I always begin with the bibliography because you want to you see where, where people have done the graft. Um, 
you've used some amazing uh, archival material. Um, and there's also some wonderful photographs as well. You, you've got a photograph of the cricket bats that you mentioned earlier on, I think, in the book. And you also have engravings, great illustrations, I should say, not photographs. Um, can you tell me about the, uh, some of the archives that you used for this book? There's one in Hull that looks really interesting, apart from just newspaper records, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, clearly the the, the the problem with researching on the 18th century, uh, late 18th century, and um, first half of the 19th century um, on sport um, is is the issue over whether you know there's going to be archive material. Um, I mean, the bulk of the the bulk of the material is clearly uh, newspapers, um, provincial newspapers on the um, the British Library um, newspaper library on live archive, which. It, it, it is obviously a fantastic resource for system, systematically um, going through, um, you know, year by year the the, the emergence of, of, of the game. And I and I did I sort of did it chronologically from 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 the sort of 1750s onwards across all the newspapers. So you start to get a sense as things start to to to, to merge in different parts of the county. Mm. Um, that also allows you to pick up the sort of references to cricket in the court reports that that you mentioned, because um, you know I think probably traditionally, if you're researching sport, you you, you would you kind of look for the sport, uh, whereas actually, um, what I sort of discovered was was um, uh, you know the game was cropping up in in, in the court reports. Mm. I think you also what what was also very interesting in in terms of the um, the newspapers was actually realising that the game was played throughout the often in the winter. Um, yeah, I, I was really surprised to see that they were playing games in November. November and December, December and, yeah. and, and January, I think. Some, yeah. I think particularly in some of the North Yorkshire villages, there seem to be games um, played over the winter. This is particularly in the 1840s. Um, I think it's particularly associated with betting. I suspect it, uh, and, and there, are in, there are amusing stories of sort of matches being played in front of large bonfires so yeah. the, spe- to the spectator, spectators could keep warm. I suspect there was money at stake um, and nobody really cared um, too much, you know, about um, the sort of uh, you know, enjoying the, uh, the, the watching the cricket in front of a lovely view. It was all about you know what was actually happening on the uh, on uh, in the in the game and whether or not they were going to win some money or not. Um, so you do, I think, the newspapers do help to give a, give a much broader sense of the cricketing culture that was developing and the extent to which it had sort of seeped into all, all parts of um, of Yorkshire life. I think I think on top of that. Um, uh, I, I, I found um, a, a very interesting scorebook um, of, yeah. the, of the Beverly and East Riding Cricket Club, which was set up in 1825, uh, and it's a scorebook which um, is uh, is held in the archives in Hull, um, and that covers the period from 1825 to the 1840s, and uh, it's a, it's just a hand a handwritten scorebook. Um, but as well as the scores of you know long forgotten matches, there's also some lovely little annotations yeah, yeah. Um, and and some rather sort of disparaging comments being made by the scorer about the uh, the, the, the the quality of play from his uh, his friends. Um, uh, the, the implication, I think, being after lunch they weren't quite as uh, active as they uh, they had been before lunch. So I think you know I think those kind of I, I certainly didn't find another scorebook. I mean, there probably are are, are a few of these. Um, that was a, that was particularly nice, just to sort of um, 
see how the game was recorded in those days, um, very much, very much as it is now. You feel like you're you're hearing the voice of the people it, it, coming through that scorebook, don't it, you? It, 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 exactly. Um, there was a, there's a book that was published um, in uh, in Ripon in the 1830s, which was also a record of uh, of all its matches going back to I think 1810 when the club was 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 was, was formed. Um, and again. Um, not quite the same sort of ad hoc uh, annotations, but but also you know some interesting little um, insights into the organisation of the of the club and so on. Um, so I think I think newspapers are clearly going to be um, the sort of bedrock of, of of this. But I think it's 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 additional material um, like like the the Beverly and the Ripon uh, books, which were which were which were very helpful. I think the other I think the other interesting thing going back to the newspapers is the way in which the amount of material increases so the the, the, the pre eighteen twenty I would say the the amount of information you know when cricket is mentioned it's 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 very brief snippets um, from the eighteen twenties onwards and say particularly in in, in in Sheffield you do get long whole column reports of matches and you also start to get reflective. You know, occasionally you get reflective pieces where, you know, there's a little bit more insight into what people were thinking at the time. And I, I came across a, um, a fascinating article in, I think it was 1828, in a Sheffield newspaper where um, the, 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 the newspaper was basically saying that, um, you know, it was time that people around the county got together and uh, raised money to set up a county a county club yeah um and um you know this would this would uh, you know by raising money then we could bring all the best players together and we could we could pay them to practice and i mean this is incredible really 1828 because it wasn't until 1863 that yorkshire county cricket club was set up um and um, so sort of 35 years earlier this sort of county consciousness as i call it in the book was developing um, and I think it's you know it's 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 just occasionally you get those kind of pieces which which help you to sort of understand uh, more about the game as it was being played at this you know 200 years ago. Yeah, I mean you touched on this slightly earlier on, but the, the, the final paragraph of the book actually is a real kind of stirring uh, conclusion because you you draw out parallels between the game in the 1840s and the game as it's happening today and can you maybe uh, just go into that a bit more about the idea of cricket as spectacle versus cricket as um, competition or cricket as a, a kind of a more enduring um, uh, competition yeah I mean it, it, I suppose um, I think you know, it's T20 hundred yeah, type stuff I suppose as I drew the book to a uh, to a conclusion um and I was thinking about this whole idea that, you know, the All England eleven and this sort of exhibition cricket and eleven against twenty-two, you know, this wasn't this wasn't the way the game developed, and 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 you know, it sort of it died a death really, I suppose, in the eighteen seventies and eighteen eighties really, um, and it struck me that you know thereafter, you know, or maybe in parallel, that, you know, the game had been as a as a sort of serious sport. Um, you know, with the county game and league cricket and cup competitions and so on, sort of developing from the 1880s and 1890s onwards. Um, th- 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 there was something sort of very distinctive about about the two. There was something, you know, about the All England um, um, 
approach, which was very much, you know, it was a, it was a novelty. Um, it was um, uh, it, it, it was a, it was an event, uh, and it was associated with, you know, different um, uh, uh, mentioned, you know, bands and, and so on. In contrast, the sort of the kind of cricket that was developing in Yorkshire in the 1840s, and I mentioned earlier some of the, yeah. big, the big towns playing games in front of some quite large crowds, three or four thousand. You know that was deeply rooted in in the in the sort of local area. It was all about local rivalry. You know, it was serious eleven against eleven. Um, uh, it was about local pride. Um, so it, it struck me that. You know, in a sense, we're having now the same kind of debate, really, around perhaps around the hundred and county cricket and yeah. test cricket. The sort of sense that that um, you know um, the, the game, the, the hundred is more about the event. It's more about the sort of the end of the novelty. It's not about sort of organic teams. It's about teams that have been put together. Um, you know, it is about the spectacle. Yeah. Um, and in contrast, you know, I think. Um, you know, county cricket and test cricket perhaps would be more seen as, as you know, bedded in local loyal in local loyalty and international loyalty. Um, and so it just it just struck me that there was a sort of you know there there has been this sort of tension between different types of cricket. Um, you know, really going back two hundred years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and that and that, that the sort of debate that we're having at the moment uh, about which direction the game should take. Um, para, is paralleled in the sort of direction, the sort of crossroads, perhaps, that the game took in the in the nineteenth century. Yeah. Um, finally, I, I know that you recently gave a talk to the Durham branch of the Cricket Society about the first MCC tour of India, led by Arthur Gilligan um, in nineteen twenty six twenty seven. Is that your next writing project? It is, uh, and in fact, it's finished. And we'll, um, a book on the nineteen twenty six twenty seven tour, which. I've called No Picnic, uh, and uh, if you read the book, you'll realise why it's called No Picnic, because uh, it was a very arduous uh, tour, both on and off the field. Um, so it's the first MCC tour of India, um, in India in those days, encompassing modern-day Pakistan and Burma, yeah. um, and also um, uh, the tour involved uh, matches in Ceylon as well, Sri Lanka, as is now. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's publishing in May. Uh, by ACS uh, Publications. Um, it was the first, the first major tour of India. Uh, it's a particularly interesting time, India, uh, politically at that time. Um, and um, it was an arduous tour, uh, certainly about 10,000 miles of travel um, uh, over the course of, um, well, from, from leaving until coming back was six months. Um, and a very small team, 13 men originally, um, added to uh, in the course of the tour um, but it's a very interesting uh, interesting um, subject quite different from uh, from uh, Yorkshire in the 1840s um, but lots of controversy lots of incident um, and you know a big a, a major stepping uh, stone in the history of Indian cricket uh, and some quite quite significant performances on the field um, but also leading to the, the creation of the BCCI um, shortly afterwards, so you know, a, a, a significant moment in the history of, uh, of Indian cricket. Yeah. Well, I look forward to uh, reading that, perhaps um, reviewing it as well. And uh, thanks for taking time out to talk to me today. Uh, Jeremy's book, A Game Emerging: Yorkshire Cricket Before the Coming of the All England Eleven, is available now from the Association of Cricket Statisticians website, which is www.acscricket.com. 
and you can just Google uh, Jeremy Lonsdale Cricket and you can get details of all of his other publications and where to buy them. Um, I really appreciate you talking to me today. The book is a wonderful achievement and um, I look forward to seeing, uh, seeing the review in print soon. Thanks very much. Thanks, Jeff.